from days I pastored that um, to turn your pulpit over to to somebody that uh, you either hadn't heard in a long time or, or as in my case, or uh, um, I'm, I'm honored that you would do that, and I appreciate it very much. <clears throat> I know your pastor's wife's brother and sister-in-law and family down in, uh, I knew him in Sacramento, California, when I pastored there, and uh, it's good to see see you again and to, to be here. Sermon this morning is from the book of Acts. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, please, to the book of Acts. I have a, a story there that I want to read to you that I, I believe you, you know quite a bit. Um, uh, but I just want to make sure um, sometimes our familiarity with something, uh, well, what's the old line? Familiarity bring, breeds contempt. And um, now, you, you would never say, I have contempt for the Scripture, and I don't mean that. But uh, sometimes we just, we, we read so fast, we just get past. And um, I want to make sure we're hearing uh, the important text. Um, I'm reading at the verse, uh, chapter 9 and verse 1, and asking God to help us there. I'll read quite a few verses of Scripture this morning, and eventually I'll land on one, and... Um, uh, that's good. And I'll try to get us out of here in time for the potluck. I, I, I wish they'd changed the name from potluck. Uh, potluck sounds, uh, sounds, uh, like whatever luck you have, it's in the pot or something. I don't know. That, you know, uh, and I've been to some of those. Evidently I had some bad luck because it was not good what was in that pot. Um, so, uh, I don't know. Change it to covered dish or something like that. So, um, uh, uh, anyway, uh, all right, are you ready? You found your place. Acts 9 and the first verse. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing murderous, uh, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. I just kind of want to stop there for a minute. Threats and murder. Threats and murder against the disciples. And he went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And now as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground, and a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he asked, Who are you, Lord? And the reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Get up and go and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, because they heard the voice, but they saw no one. And Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he answered, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said, Get up and go to the street called Straight, to the house of Judas, and look for a man 
of Tarsus named Saul, at this very moment, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. And now this last verse is the verse we'll concentrate on today. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. We're going to get down to the end, and um, I'll just tell you now, I'm going to invite you to ponder the question, how much would you suffer, really, for the sake of the name of Jesus? What would you be willing to put up with? What would you bear? That the name of Jesus might get to go forward. Make sure you notice now that the saving Christ is now the active Christ. And He is working to bring about glory to His name. The God who saved you now uses you. Sunday mornings we greet each other, sometimes with handshakes, sometimes with hugs. A pretty good level of favorability exists between each other. We're all gathered here because of the great things that the Lord has done for us. But now I'm asking you to consider a change in what Christ's activity is. From the joy of saving us, from the joy of being with us. I need you more, more than ever. I do, I do, we do, we all do. Amen. But here, in this text, the saving Christ is now the working Christ. And He is working to demonstrate the glory of His name in the subsequent life and ministry of Saul, who we call Paul. Maybe I ought to ask you, do you believe in that kind of intervention? And maybe before that, I ought to say, do you think that Jesus values the kingdom of God and what can get done in the kingdom of God in and through your life more than He values whether or not it's difficult you for, difficult for you for a particular day or week or month or season how much are you willing to put up with, really? For the sake of the name of Jesus. We're going to get down to the end. We're not anywhere near it yet, but we are going to get to the end. And when we get there, I'm going to ask you, don't, don't act like it's a surprise. If there's more that God was willing to do through you, is it possible, no judgment from me necessarily, I don't even know, but I'm asking you, is it possible 
that you're blocking him. Because you were saying, I don't want hard times, I want more. I don't want difficult times, I want it smooth. I, I like smooth paths. Let's remember this about Paul, it began in this story as Saul. I want to make sure you hear this. I think you know this. But I, I want to make sure we fit it into the message. Saul, now Paul, before the event in Damascus, Saul was a big-time Hebrew. We're not talking about some riffraff on the street. We're talking about a big-time Hebrew, highly educated trained under a person named Gamaliel, whom all Hebrews during that particular time would have gone, Whoa! He was serving our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and serving Him to the best of His ability. And that, if you read Paul's testimony, he was without blame. Anybody here without blame? This was a very godly man whose life was lived out, perhaps, absolutely, of course, simultaneously with the name of the person, Jesus Christ. And this work of Christ, which he identifies in verse 2 as the way, capital W, I believe this is one of the first times if not the very first time in the Scripture, that the advancing Christian movement is identified as the way, capital W. Paul, if he found any who belonged to the way, the way, the way of Christ was a new thing that was happening. And up till now, it wasn't clear to Paul whether or not this, new, this was in fact a new thing God was doing. And Paul... And some of you connect with this. Paul was just dying to make sure that the old way didn't get overrun by the new way. And he was on his way to do what he believed God, our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, wanted him to do. And he had gone to the high priest, and he had letters, and if he found anybody, he was going to lock them up and drag them back to Jerusalem, and there they might face death, if not, in fact, murder. And on the way to do that, God turned his whole life upside down. Here's another theological word for you. He just turned it upside down. Do you like it when things in your life get turned? When 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 you when you when it's starting to it, uh, aren't most of our prayers, come on, get it back. 
the idea that God can do this and make something better than this out of this, that God could use this better than He could ever use this, We're going to get down to the end. We're closer than we were, but we're not there yet. And I'm going to ask you, are you okay with the God who takes your life and goes and uses that for His glory? How much would you suffer, really? For, for Saul that day, it was a total change in the way he was to believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. A total, total, total change. Not just an add-on. Not, do you want whipped cream on that Sunday? Do you want a cherry on top? No, no, no. Total change. At which point, the history of Paul's encounter is almost, the way he responded to me is almost, more dramatic because the whole thing was turned upside down. Paul had this idea that God was in fact at work in his ministry. And, and Paul sought then to respond to the Lord rather than to respond to what was happening. In other words, it was no longer really about I can't do what I used to do. It was how can I use this now for you? It, it doesn't appear to me that Paul began with the question, why? Why is this happening to me? Most of my questions begin with why. Would you admit to that? In fact, if I said to you, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God why. Why this had to happen. Why did my dad have to leave early? Why, why this? Why that? If I said I was going to ask God why, many, in fact, some of you are already nodding your head. Yes, you don't even know my questions, but you know that feeling. Look at me. Have you ever heard this verse? His ways are higher than my ways, thus saith the Lord, because His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I got you trapped now. If you believe that, then automatically, automatically it will mean some things aren't going to make sense to your little E-flat brain. And it also means you're going to have to be okay with that. When you and I get to heaven, we're going to be so glad that we got there that all, look at me, look at me, all of the why questions will be gone. I can't imagine a time when I don't have a why question. I, it's just a part of... I mean, I've always got a why question. Now, Paul, if you read his life, it was like, okay, here we go. But 
you and I would call a pretty significant difficulty writing from prison where he was in prison because he was preaching the gospel. He wrote to the Philippians, I want you to know, beloved, that what has happened to me has actually helped to spread the gospel so that it has become known that my imprisonment is for Christ. You know, if you were a prison guard that day, the worst thing that could happen to you was to have to share the handcuff with the Apostle Paul. Because he would just preach you right into heaven. You talk about getting the, straw, the, the short straw that day. Paul didn't care. You and me, I don't know, maybe I'll just say me and leave, leave you out of it. But there's a pretty good chance I'd be writing letters to somebody to get me out of prison. Paul... To Timothy, he once said, Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, for which I suffer hardship, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. Maybe a, an important question for you and I to be asking during the of our life is not why, but how does this serve to advance the gospel? How can I take this and use it? What, is, what am I learning about what God is doing in me right in the middle of... Now, some of you have some upside-downness that I don't know anything about. Some of you have lost children. Some of you have lost jobs. Some of you have lost different things. I, and I don't have a shelf for that experience. And I want to be careful and kind, etc., etc. But I want to say, the answer is not why. The answer is what. How can you use God? What is happening in my life? How can you use that to advance your name? I, myself. Are you hearing the personal responsibility that Jesus is taking for what is going on in Paul's life? I will show him. Leave it to me, Ananias. Ananias says, Lord, we've heard about Paul. He's a bad guy. Even now he's here to lock us up and drag us back. i got your back covered, Ananias. Leave it to me. I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. I think the question today is, how much would you be willing to put up with so the name of the cause of Christ would be advanced? You know, The neighbor lady who lives next door whose kids constantly kick the soccer ball over into your yard and it rolls over your beautiful flowers. And you say to yourself, and maybe even on the phone to someone, if I could ever get a hold of those two little boys, 
I would send them to meet their maker. <laughs> that person. How many times would you be willing to pick up the soccer ball in your garden? If your kindness meant that the kingdom of God went forward. Maybe she didn't overhead to tell you the truth. It's it's uh, uh, a lot of it, it's it's pretty easy to have a child. It is much different than to raise it correctly. That's for sure. And there are people who are in over their heads. There is no doubt about that. But they have these children, and you know maybe maybe the dad's gone. Maybe I don't know. But maybe what that woman needs more than anything is for you to meet her at the back gate of the fence and say, "Here's some pie." For your family? Could I watch your boys for you for a week? No, that's too much. Okay. Yeah. Okay, for two hours. Is that better? See, we tend to focus on our loss. And we tend to focus on how we are being effective affected rather than looking at that and saying, now, now, how can this be used for God? Now, it's the upside downness of the kingdom. I mean, that's the way it works. Uh, whoever wants to save his life must lose it. This is how we know what love is, that Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And we quote that and we say it. We say, I do it, da-da-da-da. But it gets metered out moments at a time. It gets metered out a cup of coffee at a time. Raking their leaves at a time. It gets... What, what would you put up with? You got a, somebody at, that you work with that you don't like? How long have you been praying they get another job? Instead of praying that the difficulty of having to listen to that so-and-so, God could somehow use that to advance His kingdom. We say, I want to pray like He prayed. I want to serve like He served. Like Him, I want to be compassionate. Lord, give me more compassion. But rarely, if ever, do we hear anyone say, I want to suffer the way Jesus suffered. Or I want to have to put up with nincompoops the way He put up with them. Or I want to have to put up with people who... See, it's easy to say, I'll carry the cross until the cross gets identified as what that is in particular for you. And when the cross gets identified as love that person, we want to change it. See, see no more of this, uh, uh, give it back. That's what we want. We're going to get down to the end. We're closer. And I'm going to ask you to pray specifically 
that the person who comes to your mind's eye when I start talking about the neighbor and the person at work and I mean, I mean you know who they are they're just right now even now you know who I'm talking about and I'm going to ask you would you pray would you ask God to put this hardship in proper perspective for you for the sake of a for of the kingdom of God I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Paul said, I am now rejoicing in my sufferings. In my flesh I am completing what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Have you ever read Paul's list of all things? It's a pretty tough list, to tell you the truth. It's found, I believe, um, you can tell I'm thumbing here to try to find it. Yeah, here we are. 1 Corinthians 11, beginning at the 23rd verse. For I have received from the Lord what I handed to you. I don't think I found it there. Paul said three times I was shipwrecked. Three three times I was uh, beaten with a whip. Three times I was beaten with stones. I spent a day and a night at sea. Got an early seeker down here. You see this guy? Put it all on the altar, buddy. Put it all. There you go. There you go. Right there. And that's awesome. Yeah, there you go. Can you climb up there? Yeah. Oh, here comes the party pooper right there. There we are. There we are. Every party has a pooper. That's why we invited you. All right. Okay. Man, I wish I could find that. Oh, here we are. Second Corinthians 11. I just was off just by one whole book. Second Corinthians, five times, verse 24, five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I have spent a day and a night adrift at sea in frequent dangers, in dangers on the river, in dangers from bandits, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, dangers from false brothers and sisters, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless hungry and thirsty, often without food, cold and naked, and besides other things, I am under the daily pressure because of my anxiety for all the church. Do you know what, um, do, do you know what uh, 40 lashes minus 1 is b b besides 39? Painful. Painful, that's right. They, they, they take you in front of the guards, m maybe uh, what would be like the police house, or the uh, police department, and they they suspend your arms high high above, and and then they pull down your outer garment, and they lay a whip 
that's that's got I guess the stick is about this long, but the end of it maybe this long, and on the ends of it are pieces of glass and sharp metal and rock stone they have put on there, and they lay that into your sides five times they get it to them thirty uh, 40 lashes minus 1. See, 38 doesn't teach the lesson we're looking for. 40, if we go to 40, shame on us. There was something about 39. He'll get it. 39, 39, they lay it. Five times that happened to him. Now, beaten with rods, that, that's kind of similar, but a bit different. Uh, it was beaten with rods, not above you, and, and then they swing a, a dowel rod, maybe maybe the size of the dowel rod in your closet, and they swing that like a baseball bat into your rib cage. Three times they did that. See, see, 40 is too many. 38 is not enough. He won't learn the lesson at 38, but he'll learn it at 39. So, three different occasions, 39. Now, it, then it says, once he received a stoning. If you think that Beaten with rods or whips was serious. Stoning is really serious. I mean, they, they plan to throw enough rock at you that they will kill you. And so they take you outside the city and stake you down. See, see, a good Jew knew that if we kill him inside the city, the city's dirty. And it will take us 14 days to clean the city again with ceremonial clean, cleansing so that we can have our worship services. But if we take him outside the city and stake him down, then we can kill him out there and all is good here. So they stake him down like a dog and they begin throwing rocks. They're throwing all these rocks at him and then they send a runner out. Is he dead yet? No, he's still breathing. Throw some more rocks. And they throw some more rocks. They throw more, and, and finally he says, That got him. And the scripture tells us that the church, when the stoning was over, they went outside and went around him and they stood around him. And they prayed him back up on his feet after he had been pronounced dead. And he wiped off the dust. And he went to the next town. And he took his text. And he preached the same message. I'm telling you about rock number three. I would be crying out. Don't you see me down here? I'm doing this for you. Stop the rocks. I am now rejoicing in my sufferings, in my flesh. I am completing what is lacking. I want to know Christ and the sharing of his suffering. What would you be willing to suffer? Really? For the sake of the name of Jesus.
I thought about it again this morning when we were singing that song. In fact, I had to sit down. It just got all over me. And he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. Now here's the phrase. So we've already talked about being alone. And the joy we share. See, look at me. If, if I said to you there is a bonding that occurs in in families who have experienced the same thing. Let, let's take the, the shootings in Denver or the shootings in Connecticut or, you know, whatever. I mean, I can sympathize, but I don't know what those people are going through. But I'm telling you, look at me, I am telling you that there is a bonding with Christ that comes from sharing in the hard places, hello, that it comes from sharing in the suffering, that comes from living the upside-downness of the kingdom of God. There is a sharing that comes in that that you won't get to know if you will spend all your time trying to say to Him, fix it, get it back. Get it back the way I want it. I want everything. And... He walks with me and He talks with me and He tells me I am His own. And the joy we... There is... Don't underestimate the sheer joy that comes from being obedient to what the Spirit of God wants you to do. Do not underestimate that. And the joy we share... Well, we're at the end. And I've been telling you, I'm going to ask you the question. <laughs> what would you be willing to suffer? Frankly, I've asked, I, I, I think I've asked the question enough that in reality, uh, it's not general in your mind anymore. It's specific. The Lord, there, there are specific things the Lord is calling you to do. To put it up with, to bear, to go the second mile. 15th mile to go to be and I want to give you opportunity before we go today to talk to God about that I got a spot right here whose is it I got a spot right here. Who's this? Who's this belong to? Who needs to talk to God about what they've heard today? Do you need to talk to the Lord about it? How much are you willing to put up with? Do you want to kneel? Or do you want to sit? Okay. If your knees are bad, there's a chair right here. You got to claim it though. 
because it's saying to the Lord, I'm serious about what I'm hearing now. This face that's in my mind's eye, this person, this situation, I'll bear it. Got a place right here. You want to come and talk to God before you go? You're not talking to me. Oh, no. I don't want any more make you stand up and talk to the man of the moon. But I'm telling you, you have an opportunity to talk to God about the upside downness of your life. Anybody else?